You're listening to Flipping Tables on Sunrise Robot. Find out how you can support us at sunriserobot.net slash support. Flipping Tables, episode 133. I'm one of your hosts, David Lyons. And I'm Michael Edwards. And uh, I, we have in this follow-up to do a rare bit of uh, apologizing for being wrong. Yeah. Which I don't we think that's true. set the table I, back I, up. I, I think we're actually wrong all the time. <laughs> so, and we just don't always get called out on it. Um, but this one is uh, kind of an exception because it turns out everyone was wrong about Microsoft and the golden key thing. So... Uh, the the long and short of it is this was misreported because what actually happened was way more complicated and <laughs> the clickbait headline of Microsoft has ruined the universe by releasing this golden key was just way too enticing. Yeah. So you have something that's difficult to understand and oversimplifying it makes for a better story. <laughs> so it's like the recipe for bad journalism. So I was I was in the room when you were listening to the reconciliation of the facts and but I wasn't paying attention closely and I was not following it in my half listen. So I actually listened to it again because there is a lot about the super low level bootloadery stuff that is just not my wheelhouse <laughs> and Listening to the full explanation from Steve Gibson, who is usually pretty good at explaining this kind of stuff in a way like a less technical person would understand it. I was still just like, okay, so I guess it's not as big of a problem. Like, is that my takeaway here? So basically, if I understood all of this correctly, um, there is a key that is used to bypass certain things under certain circumstances but this is by no means a golden key this by no means allows you know the the russians to hack into norad or anything <laughs> silly like it's it is not good but it's not the end of the world and also another important caveat is this was not the kind of screw up that it was made out to be it's not like you know, Jim really wanted to get home at 5 p.m. on a Friday, so he just like pushed code out to production. Yeah. Like, so the all of the details and the ramifications were basically misreporting the story. So, uh, Justin, uh, one of our, our loyal listeners, pointed this out to us on Twitter. Um, so you can see his original tweet uh, in the show notes, which you can find at sunrise.robot.net slash living table slash 133. But more importantly, in there is the link to the Security Now episode. Uh, on Twit, uh, episode 573. And specifically, if you want to hear this explanation, it starts at about minute 12. Man, 573, someday, man. Yeah, really? It's Some of those Twitch... <laughs> like six years, we'll yeah, be there. <laughs> some of those Twitch shows, you just look at the episode numbers and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> He's really cemented his place as like, no, I started podcasting. <laughs> yeah. and, and I still do it. Um, but yeah, so if, if you want to know the interesting way in which the entire tech press got this wrong and what the actual ramifications are, just go listen to Steve Gibson because I will I will do a terrible job. And then watch it again because you won't get it. Yeah, it's it's genuinely confusing. Like I, I'm not excusing the tech press, but it was kind of a perfect storm of, wow, this is really complicated. 
but if we simplify it to this golden key story, right? That's kind of what happened, right? Like we yeah. we all agree. Well, like and we have all these sharpened pitchforks for the NSA <laughs> that were ready to go. So yeah, and I I know the because it's Microsoft and they're not the news media darling that like Apple or Facebook or Google is. I'm not worried about the backlash of like oh see golden keys can still work because the main takeaway in people's minds will be that golden keys are scary <laughs> yeah. and that we shouldn't have them, which is the right takeaway to have, yeah. even though that's yeah, the not story what is, thank God it wasn't that golden key, not, right. oh, it worked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, fortunately, I think the uh, the press is not big on um, retractions and corrections. We've already now spent more time on this yeah. retraction than most real press does. Yeah, and no one's on those comment threads anymore anyway. No, they're not. So hopefully, uh, if you want to understand this, you will get Steve's uh, explanation better than I did. Um, but that's actually all we have for follow-up. So yeah. So let's jump into it. Um, You're right about everything else. Everything else was absolutely spot on. So tell me about self-driving cars. So there's a couple different big news. I mean, we've talked about at least one episode. We kind of went into a deep dive about like thinking about the future of driverless cars. Um, But there's some big news recently that sort of opens the topic back up. And that's uh, first off, Uber has is going to be aggressively pursuing uh, driverless cars, but they're they're intermediate stage. They're going to put an employee in the back seat just to make sure things go well. Wait, and, the back seat? Not the driver's seat? <laughs> maybe I don't know. I thought I read back seat. I should look at the article. Okay, here. you you finished. But and they're I'll they're check. they're not there to drive. They are not controlling the car unless they have to or or, or something goes wrong. And uh, as kind of an intermediate stage, and um, this TechCrunch article, which is pretty glowing of Uber throughout, it's just talking about how they like destroyed the cab industry, and they're they're kind of recklessly kind of blazing trails everywhere they can go, um, and not really asking for forgiveness or, or anything when they they do creepy things. Um, but they're they're trying to not wait for competitors to eat their lunch. They really want to be there first, um, no matter what. The cost is of maybe rushing tech out the door before it's fully baked. I think one of the lines from the CEO was, this can't just be about science, which I think is uh, sort of a jab at all the the research, you know, Google's research and some of the other companies that are... Um, I don't think they think it's just science, but nonetheless, <laughs> they're kind of like, we're going to bring it to market. Oh, those guys are just have their labs going on. Yeah, it, it does sort of have a bro grammar, like, you know, fail fast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's, let's ship some code kind of a mentality to it. And it's like, yeah, people might die. Like, yeah. Maybe research is a good thing here. Yeah, and I mean, many of these companies have banded together to form a lobby to try to get the the legal situation straightened out to allow for driverless cars, because that's another barrier. It's just, it's not legal most places, or anywhere really, um, other than very, Uh, very specific places. Yeah, like Nevada and... Like New Mexico or something. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're trying to blaze that regulation trail in addition to figuring out the, you know, the machine learning, the computer vision, the uh, high resolution maps of areas. Which one company comes to mind that might have pretty good mapping data to work with? Apple. Is it Apple? Yeah, it's Apple. Apple. Okay. Um, the other bit of news, and then we can actually talk about driverless cars again. Is a uh, Ford uh, has 
taken a step back from its party line of we're never going to do that. To, nah. We're totally doing it by 2021. <laughs> um, so well, the, and theirs is like even more sci-fi because it's we're not just going to have a driverless car or an autonomous car. It will have no steering wheel and no pedals like the cute Google marshmallow car. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're going all in, trying also not to be left behind. And I mean, one of the things we talked about last time that I think is still relevant is if you imagine a, a company like Uber or whoever kind of changing culture enough that people stop buying cars as consumers, or at least like that, if that market changed by a lot, and it was predominantly a company buying cars, um, like if Uber's just buying fleets for cities. Um, what does that do to car manufacturing? If you're Ford, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, unless we're the lucky company that gets that bid. And even if we get that bid, everything's going to be driven down to nothing. Race, like, it probably mirrors, like, phone component prices. Like, you, you know, you previously you were, you made phones, but now suddenly you just make the chip. And right. You, or the cord or yeah. the little plastic piece on like, the corner. Like then that can be a good business if you're willing, if that's the business you want to be in, but it's not the same as being the guy on top of the mountain. Well, and it, I mean, everything changes if you're, you're, you know, Ford or GM or Honda or whoever in that situation. Cause it's like, well now all of our expertise in marketing to people is gone. Yeah. Like we're now dealing with businesses instead of with individuals. Yeah. So all that's like right out the window, all of your relationships with like individual dealers. Like, so this is, uh, something Tesla had to deal with is because it is actually legal in certain parts of the United States to sell a car directly to an individual from the manufacturer because lobbyists <laughs> and it's like, Oh no, you have to go through an authorized dealer. And it's like, why, why are there laws requiring a middleman? Like what could the benefit of that possibly be? Maybe yeah. there was one, but in the modern day, what could the benefit possibly be? So this is, this would completely destroy that entire industry. Yeah. You know, like, oh, now why would you have a dealership? You're not, no one buys cars. So, this, I mean, there's, this can't happen overnight. It no. just can't. And that's like, I don't know how to rate Americans' obsessions with loving their freedom of owning their own car and driving it. Like, super high. Well, that, well, it's super high, <laughs> but like, is that something that can just turn on a dime and you're like, just kidding, we flipped a switch. No one cares about owning cars anymore. Or will it be this long, never dying, you can like Second Amendment level of <laughs> obsession? This feels. <laughs> At least there's no constitutional right to drive a car. Oh, jeez. <laughs> This feels like a generational thing that is less passed down. Like if you're a red-blooded American lad in Heartland America and your red-blooded American father was big into like drag racing, he didn't necessarily pass that on to you. Whereas something like the the Second Amendment or, you know, if you come from like a family of journalists or a family of doctors or a family of firefighters, like that's a <laughs> family of firefighters. No, this is a, this is totally yeah. like these are legacy industries where I was not picturing like like uh, oh, multi-generation. Like, <laughs> I was picturing like a <laughs> nuclear family all firefighting. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. I'd watch that sitcom. Um, but th this is a uh, a thing that I, I don't think is as heavily like um, – I don't want to say fetishized, but like religiousized where uh, it's like, oh, you know, Ma and Pa raced Fords on the drag strip and gosh darn it, I will too. And so will <laughs> my kids. Like I, it feels more like, oh, you know, my parents were big into football, but like it just wasn't my thing. 
right? And then you, and that's just like, that's generalizing for like all people across the country. Then when you add in things like, do you live in a city that has good mass transit? Do you have No, a, in America, no, you no, don't. No, you don't. <laughs> do, do you... Uh, do you have a line of work where having a car isn't that big of a deal? Do you have a personality where you don't really care if you can go out at the drop of a hat? Like, and for millennials, um, <laughs> those things tend to be stacked against cars. You know, more of us do remote work and more yeah. of us don't live out in super rural areas. And more of us are, are not really caring about having the freedom of like a car. Yeah. Well, it seems relevant. Did you see the recent John Oliver about predatory loans for cars? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Also that because but, none of us have any money. But yeah, you can imagine, <laughs> yeah, people that do need a car because commuting with public transit in their crappy city is two hours instead of 10 minutes in a car. And yeah. this could really help those people that otherwise may not want to own a car or can't and are being taken advantage of. Yeah. We have another subprime crisis coming our way. <laughs> Yay. Um, I do wonder with the Uber thing, uh, specifically. Um, so like now when I get into an Uber, there's going to be a person either in the front seat or the back seat who doesn't even have like driving to distract them. How am I going to not talk to that person now? Like, yeah, that's gonna... one of my, I, as a slightly <laughs> introverted person, like, I hate the pressure to converse. I mean, sometimes I'm fine. It's like, oh, whatever. I'm just going to be friendly. But, but you, other want, times you want the I, choice. Yeah. Other <laughs> times I'm just like, I just want to sit here and get to my place. Yeah. Now, I, I was going, it was late. I had a, a late flight uh, one night and I just wanted to get to my hotel and I had a tiny bit of work I needed to do before I got to the hotel and I actually sat down in the backseat of my Uber and I, I said to the woman, she was a very nice, like middle-aged woman, very folksy and chatty. And I said, listen, um, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but I'm very tired. And if I get this email answered now in the car with you, I can go to bed as soon as you drop me off at my hotel. So I'm not, I'm, you don't have to talk to we're, me. We're not going to chat. Just listen to your music. <laughs> yeah, we're, not, we're not, we're not going to chit chat. Okay. <laughs> and she just laughed it off. She's like, no, honey, you're fine. Go ahead. Get some work done. And I mean, it was like one in the morning. I was just like, thank you, God. Save, and, save me that extra 20 minutes when I get there. And to be fair, if I don't want to, I could just be friendly like that. Like, hey, I'm gonna, like, I could just pretend I have work and just be like, hey. Oh, no, I actually I did. But no, I know. But, but you I don't mean, want to have to do that every I time. I could just address it and yeah. say, hey, I'm really tired. Don't yeah. feel like you have to chit chat me. Let's just go and, and chill. And by don't feel like you have to, do I'm not. telling you not to. <laughs> yeah. You may have heard chit chat a little bit. <laughs> um, then on the the because I mean we all knew Uber was going to do this right, and the uh, I want to say it was the CEO. The exact source of the quote doesn't matter, but someone high up in the company said something to the effect of, "Well, our job isn't to employ people, <laughs> but we don't feel like this is going to cause like a lot of layoffs." And you know, anyone on the receiving end of that quote had to be like, um. Uh, hi, sorry, uh, John Smith, uh, you know, Picayune Tribune. Um, yeah. How will this not result in massive layoffs? Be one of the newest companies to have automation replace its workflow. Yeah, I mean, are you really going to pay people to sit in the car and be like safety nets? Which I mean, only I as long as the human culture needs to feel comfortable with the fact that someone's there and the laws. 
Yeah. They, I mean, they may pay people to be legal loopholes. Probably same for, like, airplanes. Yeah. Which, I, I mean, there's still stuff that the humans do, mostly taxiing and... And all that navigation well, and, isn't automated, but and the penalty for failure is way higher. Yeah. So, but I, I think this thing with Uber is, uh, I I kind of as much as I hate to say it because they've done some skeezy things that we've talked about before. Their God view. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm kind of on their side with this. Like if this is the logical way for their business to progress, and they are not. This isn't communist Russia. Yeah. That's my second Russia reference. Like, it would be weird for them to say, we're not going to do the thing that would provide an obviously superior service to all of our users just so we can keep drivers employed. Well, and like, if you remember one of the recent, it might have been WWDC last year or last fall, uh, Apple showed off their like crazy robot that disassembles iPhones for recycling. I, was like, I don't remember that. I was like, oh, so they're going to manufacture iPhones with that thing as soon as they figure it out. Because <laughs> that's what they were showing us is, hey, we're working on replacing all of manufacturing. They just didn't say it. Yeah. It's like, this isn't just, oh, we're being green and good, which is fine. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, yeah. This, so whenever I have this conversation with someone, I always you know, step two, question mark, step three, profit. But <laughs> it's because I don't know what the intermediate steps will be like. And I hope that our government and, you know, the governments of the world provide the right kind of social safety nets so that people can continue to function and live. But the ultimate end goal of this is a post-scarcity future where yeah. everything is basically replaced with robots and we have the Star Trek future and everyone can just pursue whatever makes them happy. So, I mean, I'm sure if you picked any random Uber driver and you were just like, hey, if you could do this or literally not do this, but still have the exact same lifestyle, would would you do this? Yeah. And there might be some people who genuinely are like, yeah, I just love to drive. If it, if I had my way, I would drive in circles all day and not take anybody there'll be anywhere. There'll theme parks where instead of like the the Disney ride, where like you get to drive a car, it's like <laughs> one of remember when people got to drive cars. Yeah, but they have to be close courses where you. Can. <laughs> they have to be a vanishing minority, right? Yeah, I mean, take like the extreme situation of a factory worker, someone who works with their hands all day assembling an iPhone or a MacBook or or a chair or whatever. If if that person really loves working with their hands, chances are they would like to build other things like mm-hmm. that they decide to build. So even if you found yourself doing the same kind of work that you you were replaced by automation on, having the freedom to decide what thing you produce, when you do it, if you do it at all, like that's that's the dream. And I understand there's going to be many many pitfalls and intermediary steps between here and there, but. I just, I can't fault Uber for openly saying like, yeah, it's not our job to keep drivers employed. Like that's not what the company's function is. That is a byproduct of the current state of things. So it's the, they don't make drills. They make picture hanging. Like, right. They get people places they want to go. Transportation company or what are they? Don't they have like some weird name for themselves? Like, Oh, we're not a taxi company. We're a, a technology coagulating transportation human resources mega industry business service. It's something crazy. Yeah. 
I found the Apple robot. They called it Liam. So, oh, yeah. yeah, there's no way that's just a one-off recycling thing. No. Like, it's well, because I mean, you you can just imagine the Apple executives watching that video in reverse and being like, soon, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like they just have all the constituent components, and then a robot will put well, it back. They, they still had audio on, so the narration's like, yip, 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 yip. <laughs> <laughs> this video makes no sense, but soon. Uh, and so from the the Ford side of this, when you, you know, because you for a long time lived right in the middle of a major city, and now are you still going to be in a fairly urban part of Ohio? Yeah, Columbus is even bigger than Denver, so. No, but it, but will you be in oh, actual yeah. Columbus? Like, everybody says they're in a major city. No, I'm actually pretty close to downtown. Okay. Like a mile or two. So when I saw in this Ford article about, like, oh, it's going to just start with, like, major city centers, you know, like, get people around, like, on their lunch break, or maybe, like, to an airport, or I kid you not, in this article, it says, to a seaport. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, guys. I got to get to the seaport because I'm shipping myself on a freighter. Crabs at already 1.30. I have to be at the seaport by 2. But so this, I know it's not the same infrastructural problem as broadband internet, but whenever I see starting in major city centers first, I have like terrifying flashbacks to like gigabit internet is coming to... Not the where Century you live. Link. <laughs> CenturyLink, Comcast, uh, Verizon Fios has totally canceled their operations now. AT&T U-verse is boxed out of most major areas because of Comcast. Like, I live close enough to Denver that if in a pinch I could reasonably walk there, <laughs> yeah. and yet I don't get a lot of the services that Denver takes for granted like multiple internet providers yeah. at very good speeds because I'm I'm in the suburbs. So I know this doesn't have the same infrastructural monopoly problems, but I could imagine a universe in which equally pointless laws are like, oh, well, of course the Fords are allowed to drive in Denver autonomously. We know they're safe, but those Honda autonomous cars, no, no, right? I think there's enough car companies, even though I know they're conglomerated a lot and just have tons of brands under like a master brand, um, a Megazord brand. (laughs) Um, But I think there's enough different brand of car going on that I doubt one car company is going to own this in terms of like regulation. I certainly hope not, but... When you live in the suburbs and you hear people talk about like coming to a city near you, there's always that little party that's just like, is it, is it, how how close, how close to me is it coming? (laughs) And I I mean, long term, this will obviously shake out like, you know, if you lived in the suburbs 20 years ago, you could only get dial up when everybody else was moving to DSL and then you got DSL when everybody else moving abroad. I know it trickles down. If we were casting a long slap bet, I would, (laughs) I wouldn't go against autonomous cars. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I can't imagine this not happening over the long enough term. Um, And the only thing that will slow it down is not technology. It's regulation and culture. Yeah. Like those are the the roadblocks. Um, I was kind of amazed to learn about that. There's already a standards body, for what counts as levels of autonomy. Okay, so they're defining like different levels of automatic driving. Yeah, so uh, the these Fords that they're talking about releasing in 2021 will be SAE Level 4 automated, 
which means uh, that's the highest level. Like no five. Oh, okay. So that that's significant is because Ford is saying like it won't be fully autonomous. It'll be fully autonomous under these specific circumstances. Is uh, JD Power or any of his associates involved <laughs> with this? Maybe. I mean, this happens to be Stanford. So you website. just think of like a shadowed, tented finger, like yeah, figure. like a Mister Burns character. Yeah. <laughs> JD Power. It's actually, I think whenever I hear associates like that, I always think like the mafia. Yeah. So it's it's more like a Marlon Brando kind of like, let me introduce you to my associates. <laughs> um, but level, level four, back on track here. Level four is uh, the driving mode specific performance uh, by an automated driving system of all aspects of the dynamic driving task, even if a human driver does not respond appropriately to a request to intervene. So... They're still expecting someone to be there, but the car is expected to do everything except in like the really extreme circumstances. Or there may be circumstances under which like you're not allowed to go into full driving mode. Yeah. So uh, the the sensors detect that the road is icy or that it's pouring rain or something yeah. like that. And then it might just be like, no, you need to drive. <laughs> Don't you just re- like you saw Minority Report, like the highway <laughs> in that movie it was just like so fast because it was all automated um well no the terrible irobot movie yeah like he like disengaging automated mode and it's like no these cars are going like 300 miles yeah, an hour not never... you it just be immediate just, like... <laughs> just everyone is now dead <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, like an ambulance needs to go, so all the cars automatically get out of the way, and you right. don't have any horrific intersection collisions. Well, I mean, all of the roundabouts already should replace stoplights, yeah, and that's and that's even including human drivers. And I'm sorry, Americans, they're not complicated. <laughs> they're not. They're the car on the roundabout has right of way. You yield to it. Yeah, that's it's, it. It's super straightforward. <laughs> it's the same. That little yield triangle works the same way, <laughs> yeah. even though the road is slightly banked. Um, have you ever spent time at a red light when there were no other cars? Yeah, let's put an end to that. Yeah. Um, but I think this is very interesting because tes- the the levels of automation because Tesla has come under a tremendous amount of fire for having kind of the gall to call the feature on Tesla's autopilot. Yeah, because that implies that it pilots itself automatically, and it absolutely does not. It is a really, really kick ass, sophisticated cruise control, yeah. and it's amazing technology. And I wish that I had it, but if I can't sleep in the back seat yeah, or watch a movie or yeah, then it's not autopilot. Like if I can get in the car destroyed drunk and wake up at my house, <laughs> then you have a fully autonomous car. Yeah. The, the, is it legal to be drunk as the only passenger? Yeah. It's maybe the best litmus test. <laughs> yeah. Or asleep. Yeah. Or my favorite one is not licensed to drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like could a child, who wants to like go to the mall or go to the movies, get into this vehicle and go to their destination. Right. Well, I'm already just thinking like road trips where you packed your food and you can literally just go. And the only thing you have to do is wake up to put more gas in it or God forbid, just reach out. Just plug it in. Let's hope. Um, but this is, I think really important because only the fifth level of automation counts as full automation. Everything below that is, no, humans are still going to need to be involved, even if it's only in extreme circumstances. You can't cut them out entirely. Yeah. So I I really hope that the laws are 
getting ahead of this so that they can kind of force the companies to not overpromise and actually get to full automation. And I mean, I love Tesla. Like I'm everybody loves Elon Musk except his competitors. <laughs> the products they make are amazing, but the autopilot thing feels like they kind of oversold it. And I feel like Ford is learning from that mistake and saying like, no, no, this is going to be for a specific thing in an area that we have so heavily mapped as to Trump Google maps, like because the cars will never leave that like yeah. geofenced area. So they can uh, take certain things for granted. Well, and I think the, the airport, not so much the seaport, but the airport <laughs> ride is a good, like minimum viable product. Like, Going to the airport, parking at the airport, like that's all just sucks. That's terrible. And there's a huge selection of people that travel for work that will immediately embrace that. Well, and getting away from an airport, like even yeah, and then everyone who travels for other reasons, just yeah, yeah. If you're just any rando and your in-laws or your brother, whatever, is coming into town, and they're like, "Oh, hey, can you come pick me up?" It would be awesome to be like, "I sure won't." <laughs> but a car with no human, I'll Venmo in it, you the price of the yeah the Uber, or like, "Oh, I already have the app installed," and Uber will just show up, and you'll get in it, and it yeah. will be a beautiful new Ford, and it will drive you to my house like that. Yes, please. Even like this is where the the compromise I think starts to kind of set in is. I live in the suburbs. I don't live right in Denver. So how close is this car going to get outside of Denver and actually come to my house? Right. So I would totally compromise to like, Oh, it's going to drop you off at, you know, this, uh, target shopping center. That's right on the border of, you know, the city limits of Denver. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I'm going to just like pick you up there. Because that's a lot less work for me. It's a lot less work for everybody. It's a lot less expense. Like that. This is how uh, in Atlanta, like where my in-laws are, like the train system there is phenomenal. Train pulls like right into the airport, and then it takes you actually really far out into the suburbs. So if you have people who are like way way out, yeah, and then you just say like, "Hey, pick me up at the train station. I'm gonna be there in ten minutes." Like it's phenomenal. Yeah. So I would even accept that. But really, I wanted well, to just drive it all the way to my house. <laughs> There's huge sections of our country that don't have train infrastructure, and I'm not going to minimize the the engineering challenge of automated driving because that's still something we're figuring out, but that's something we're going to figure out eventually, and it seems like we're not that far off. And so it's like all these cities that are not going to spend the crazy spend on a proper train and trolley system, um, maybe they can leapfrog it and just let these companies compete for automated driving and take care of that whole problem. Switch to electric cars. You don't have the environmental insanity impact that you do that gas does. And maybe all these areas, like some random podunk town, that's just never going to have a public transportation system that serves the people. Well, and uh, I'm, I'm not an economicist, but is <laughs> Isn't the the problem there unsolvable because of scale? So you're not if if you have a regional airport, yeah, they're that, not big enough addressable market for yeah, trains, <laughs> right? Because your train, you're not going to build a train that only seats ten people because that's the only number of people who ever need to leave the the airport on like a given day, right? Like that's those people are always going to be more reliant on 
personal freedoms, like their own car, yeah. because they don't have a lot of buses, they don't have taxis, because the taxi industry can't stay in business in that small area. So you're constantly bumming rides off friends and family, which is not like a terrible thing. But what about in emergencies? What about people who, you know, have like their single parents and they have multiple jobs and schedules are inconvenient? Like, there are lots of things where you can say, yeah, this town only has two driverless cars, but that's all they need. Yeah. They're never going to build a train well, that only the, seats 10 the people. The infrastructure cost scales much better for cars than Up and down. train system. Yeah. I mean, the because presumably if you can solve the self-driving car problem, you can also have a self-driving bus. So in a dense area where lots of people are going in the same direction, you could have a double-decker bus that seats 100 people, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, this bus just makes laps back and forth on the mall ride or whatever, right? Sorry, humans who do those jobs, <laughs> but like... Now you get to do a more interesting job. Yeah, please, God, something <laughs> else. All right, should we uh, should we move on? Yeah, I kind of want to talk about this Twitter thing just a little bit. Um, and I say just a little bit because <laughs> I don't think it really affects normal people that much. <laughs> so, yeah, Twitter uh, introduced... They've had these controls for celebrities for a while, I guess. You know, us plebs haven't gotten them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that that lands because they also had that like separate app just for people with yeah. a million followers. Which you could, I think any normal person could use. But, but why? It, well, and the experience was terrible because of the way it was designed. Yeah, because it's designed for not paying attention to who replies to you. Pretty much, yes. Um, anyway, um, Twitter's been being criticized constantly for years now about the 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 lack of perceived efforts to curb harassment and uh you know we had a very public sort of celebrities are quitting twitter because they get harassed like crazy by a bunch of heads um leslie jones from snl and ghostbusters movie was a recent example of that um she came back she came back yeah which is cool because she went out basically saying like y'all suck i'm yeah. not gonna put up with this and then she came back and was like, no, you know what? You suck. I'm not leaving because you suck. So like she got to make the right point on both ends of that otherwise tragic nice. situation. So Twitter had been introducing tools for these, you know, power celebrities that basically no matter what they post, someone's going to be telling them to go die in a fire or something much worse. Yeah, very, or, or if they're a woman, much, much worse. Yeah. Um, so tools that will, you know, for example, new accounts, which is a very common shadow puppet um, attempt by, you know, you might think, well, why don't they just block these shitty people? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you block them, they create a new account, they go back to harassing you. And, you know, these internet trolls that are, they apparently have infinite energy to be horrible people and just sit there and harass someone. And so they just well, set up new accounts. Some of these hardcore haters will make like robots that yeah. just open new accounts, tweet horrible rape and death threats, and then they get blocked and then it just spawns another account. Like, this, yeah, it's who, very organized. Who builds a rape threat <laughs> robot. Like, it's ugh. crazy. So Twitter had tools. For, it's, it reminds me a lot of like what certain subreddits will do, or even just new Reddit accounts are pretty much. They start out shadow banned, and they gradually <laughs> yes. get human form, like the the girl in Spirited Away after she takes the pill. <laughs> um, 
where you know you tweet a bunch of hate gets sent at you, but since they're new accounts, it, you don't even see it. And right. So they they they're extending these tools to everyone now. Um, I think in the face of all these reports of them doing nothing, um, they they want to be seen to be doing something. So the question is, will this solve the problem? Well, I think the first important <laughs> thing to mention there is, in the face of all these complaints that have been going on for years and years yeah. since Twitter basically launched, because this has been a problem pretty much since day one. Yeah. Um, will this solve it? Anecdotally, I have seen multiple reports from famously harassed. I don't want to say celebrities, but like personalities, you know, pundits, uh, you know, people who are like big deal in their field, but they're not really like a movie star or yeah. musician or something. Um, but heavily harassed people who've been documenting what's happening to them and complaining to Twitter and Twitter's just been like brushing them off. Uh, I've seen some anecdotal stuff where they're saying like this, this immediately helped because it does this kind of like new accounts can't get to you and like people you block, like it, it does some smarts about related stuff. Um, I don't know if it's doing, uh, cause you know, Twitter's obviously keeping this pretty close to the vest, <laughs> but I don't know if it's doing any kind of, um, uh, like speech detection. So like just common well, epithets. Yeah. Like if they're, you know, if this person's using a bunch of like, you know, Nazi language and like rape threats, then like maybe just don't show that to anyone. Cause no one should have to see yeah. that. Like you should know so that we can call the police, but like the person shouldn't have to see it. Yeah. But I, I think this is for... Then they might switch to images. Then you need image intelligence yeah, yeah. to combat that. Yeah, I mean, it, it needs to be a multi-pronged. There, there needs to be a variety of factors that you consider. Because the people that want to be horrible, horrible people apparently are well-motivated. Yeah, it's... It's frightening. <laughs> it's really frightening like that they put so much effort into something so terrible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anecdotally, I mean, this is pretty new. It, it seems like it's going to work well. Um, but like, I feel like you and I can kind of never test this, yeah. right? Like until yeah, I don't, I don't want to be able to test this. <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't I mean, wanna... I want our podcast to take off, but I don't want to <laughs> deal with horrible comments my whole life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where you can't say anything <laughs> without, and I mean, I think one of the like, the like tiniest violin indignities of some <laughs> celebrities is like you say something and then you get the same dumb joke from like thousands of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, tiniest violin, but, <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I think this is, it is remarkable that Twitter dragged their feet on this for so long because they just opened up the verified thing and they've always had some special tools for verified people. And now this is separate, but similarly related to managing your Twitter experience and is now available to everyone to verified. You have to apply for anyone can turn these settings on. Yeah. Um, the one thing, I mean, if I had to nitpick at this other than like, they should not have waited this long is this would make me nervous that algorithmic stuff is bundled into this. Like, oh, we're going to show you the most valuable tweets in yeah. the order we think you should see them. <laughs> and also, here's some ads. And it's like, no, 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 don't. And don't. if you're using TweetBot, you get full abuse. Yeah, because Which of... Which is the case, apparently. Yes, of course, none of this stuff goes out into the API, or at least not yet. But yeah. please, Twitter, don't screw up this tiny victory you finally have after <laughs> like eight years yeah. by 
bundling your algorithmic nonsense with your please don't send me rape threats button yeah like the i don't want to see rape threats button should be available to everyone and should have no caveats yeah. or strings attached well, i don't want to dismiss the the fact that they should have been working on this sooner um but i am sympathetic to that it's not an easy problem because i mean every forum on earth deals with crap whether it's spam bots or real people being terrible. And it's true. I mean, we see a lot of these things on Reddit to try to control it. The voting system lets users kind of be mobilized to bury crap. Um, but that's not going to work on Twitter. You're not going to get people voting on tweets that yeah. way because it's not congealed conversation the way a Reddit thread is. Um, they're basically implementing the shadow banning of new users, um, at least as far as replies are concerned. Well, I think if uh, someone is heavily blocked, like if if I have 30 followers, but 100 million people have blocked me, and then I tweeted yeah, a verified Yeah, it's almost like person, a page rank thing of like, yeah, this is not a good account. Yeah, the, there are signals that are known to be associated with harassing and, yeah. and bad accounts, and yeah, it is technologically complicated, but it sure but then as hell is you get impossible. a mobilized malicious force to block someone right intentionally, and then yeah, how do you distinguish that, between these two situations? That's why you need a lot of signals to, yeah. to key off of because, and they could be weighted differently. That's fine, I get that. But so yeah. I'm not saying they should be excused for dragging their feet, but I do think it's a harder problem than people think, and everyone's kind of just yelling "fix it" and. That's fair, but they're like a really large technology company with yeah. access to lots of Mythical smart engineers. Man, month, man. <laughs> yeah, but think about some of the things they've been throwing money at. No, I know they have lots of <laughs> horrible, like user hostile features they keep unveiling. And then, like, they kept buying up some small. Anyway, I'm glad that <laughs> they're, they're buying doing... like ad companies. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad that they're doing this. I'm glad that the early anecdotal evidence I've seen has been that it's helpful. Um, but I, I feel like for normal people, this won't, this won't make a difference in the fact that the feature's there. It will make a difference in the fact that if part of the reason you use Twitter is to follow celebrities, those celebrities are now less likely to leave Twitter. Yeah. So that's. That is kind that's of a, a win-win for Twitter. Yeah, that that's I think most normal people follow some brand or some celebrity or some comedian or some whatever and if your favorite comedian or the only person you log into Twitter to see is like peace out, this is terrible, yeah. then you're going to stop using Twitter so. Here we are. Yep. You want to talk about PowerShell now? I really want to talk about PowerShell. <laughs> So, this is right in my wheelhouse, like at the center of all that I do. It's true. Uh, th this can be another kind of short conversation. and just think it's kind of funny that Microsoft cannot freaking catch a break. <laughs> so, and, and they're always the architect of their own demise. So uh, PowerShell is the uh, more modern version of like the old command line, like the old run DOS prompt on, that was always in Windows. So for a long time, if you didn't know, Windows was actually secretly just DOS underneath. And then I think it wasn't until, until XP, right? Or no, like Vista or seven. Okay. Yeah. No, XP was you could still totally like boot back into DOS. I thought it was emulated. Was it? <laughs> 
It's a slap bet. No, <laughs> I should never have told you about that. <laughs> but it, it was longer than people think. One of the more Microsoft friendly listeners, please set us straight on this. Yeah. When was DOS only emulated yeah. and not actually at the foundation? But the even after it was no longer the star, uh, you still had, you know, the command prompt, which had all of these tools that were exactly like they were in DOS or, or so similar as to be indistinguishable. Um, and then uh, PowerShell came along and it was like, okay, we need like a modern terminal because Windows always kind of shied away from the terminal because that's literally the entire point was to not use the terminal. It was to use the graphical user interface. So uh, PowerShell and then uh, everybody was like, hey, that's cute, except it's not like POSIX compatible, so go screw yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone I know who uh, either developed in a Windows environment or they just prefer to use the Windows environment speaks very highly of PowerShell. Like, I'm just more familiar with Bash, and I mean, I'm not a terminal pro, but I mean, I'm more familiar with Bash, so I'm kind of like, hey, PowerShell, whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't use Windows, but I'm glad you like it. Well, now they've gone and shot themselves in the foot by doing trying to do something nice like they always do, <laughs> where they were like, hey, we're going to open source PowerShell and we're going to compile it against Linux. So people on Linux will be able to use all of these amazing PowerShell things. And they have a very gleeful 50-minute video where they demo <laughs> all the things you can do, um, very steeply addressing how people like to set up shortcuts and, and various kinds of shorthand um, while defending their verbose approach to everything. Yeah, and you know... And you see this video. I have to comment. Um, no, no, go ahead. There's, a, there's two men at the start of the video and um, I was like, huh, one of them's clearly like a community manager kind of guy. And then the video starts and he's like, hi, I'm tech evangelist, blah, blah, blah for Microsoft. <laughs> Um, so I won't say anything, but if you just look at the thumbnail and take your guess, which one is the tech evangelist? Yeah. Knowing one of them is, and you have 50, 50 shot, you yeah. have a better than 50, 50 chance of guessing. Which I, I get the, the audience. This isn't like an Apple white room video. This is very much <laughs> targeted at developers that they want to entice. And so it's very heavy on details. That's why it's 50 minutes and not two minutes yeah. of, you know, happy music and, <laughs> <laughs> motion graphics um but it, it should be all motion graphics and they should have hired you <laughs> yes um but the so the problem that immediately came out of this because microsoft just isn't allowed to have nice things anymore is it's it's open source it's free but open source means kind of two different things it's literally whether or not the code is open and then there's all the cultural stuff that goes with it yeah and they put the PowerShell code on GitHub because where else are you going to host your open source code? <laughs> and then the guy who actually either made or is just currently responsible for curl. Let me, uh, yeah. The curl author said curl, super common, you yeah. know, POSIX compatible terminal utility. Uh, and he, he Which said, people used to have unprotected sex with everything. Pretty much, yeah. To install on their machine. <laughs> uh, just curl, wget, whatever <laughs> application and install. This will be fine. It's over HTTP. It's fine. Um, they, uh, th this person actually opened a an issue on the PowerShell uh, GitHub repo and was like, hey, you have aliases to curl and wget? 
that in no way work correctly. So, like, here's how you should change this to fix it. And Microsoft just immediately was like, yeah, we're not going to do that. And just <laughs> totally shut it down. Yeah. And and to be fair, there's a couple of people from Microsoft who came in and they were like, there's a discussion that needs to be had before we just blanket accept your recommendation. So we're not shutting you down. We're just saying this isn't as cut and drive a fix as you're making it out sound. And the the guy and several other people kind of chime in and like, no, it is. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> it really is pretty clear. You shouldn't have aliases that don't work identical because then they're not aliases. Like, you should remove these aliases. Like, oh, but that'd be a breaking change because everybody's already expecting them to be there. And the guy, the, the curl author is like, yeah, it's already a breaking change because they expect them to work a certain way and they don't. <laughs> so like, it's just, it's, this is unfortunately because Microsoft took the position they did any action is now wrong. Yeah. Like making this change would take probably a bunch of effort on their part and break it from the way it currently works and doing nothing is bad because it's going to break the way people expect them to work. So it's like you guys, (laughs) sorry, y'all like, don't, don't put yourself into these positions. Microsoft, like you had the chance to implement them correctly or just not implement them. It reminds me of, all of Apple's open source stuff until <laughs> Swift. They're they're actually legitimately doing that with the culture stuff too, and not just right, not just the code exposed. But everything else was just like, here's a bunch of code, Casey. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not good. That's not. I think the culture part of open source is the valuable part. Yeah, like just be, someone else's code is not necessarily. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, developer angst about like I don't want to use something that's open source because if they don't understand how security models work, that freaks them out. Or they say I don't want to use something that's open source because if it's not like a company that's backing it, the developer doesn't owe me anything, and I don't want to fork and then own their project. Yeah. So there's like. There's a lot of scary things if that can go along with it if you don't really understand how the culture and the community works. But this uh, position they've painted themselves into this corner is kind of like you knew the room was square when you started painting. Like, <laughs> why didn't you start in the corner and work toward the door? Like, I'm glad this is just like Microsoft's whole thing is like it's always like two steps forward, one step back. Like, hey, we're going to compile this awesome tool that we think you guys are going to love onto Linux. You don't even have to come to Windows to use this amazing tool we make. Awesome. Also, it's going to be open source. That's phenomenal. But it it's like kind of broken yeah. in like a really serious. And you're and, not allowed to suggest and, anything. Yeah, in common way. And you're like, oh, Microsoft, <laughs> y'all, folks. We'll see if they'll make the right decision, lay down their pride, and just they change always, it. They always have eventually, yeah. since Sachin and Adela took over, like they've been really good about eventually being like, all right, that was dumb, we're sorry. Yeah. But they still have to make the mistake and then fix it. Like just maybe just try and get it right the first time. But, you know, I'm oversimplifying. It's complicated. Sorry, guys. Um what we really have been <laughs> building up. We have one more topic. Yeah, this is what we've really been building up toward the whole show. So uh, you, you go ahead. You, you, you can bring this in. There was a, a little intra-Sunrise Robot controversy on Twitter about... We've actually fired off on this a couple of times. <laughs> yes, we have. But we, we decided to have an all-out Twitter battle about... Uh, 
this little feature bug. It's a bug. It's a bug. Um, in Chrome, other browsers too. Just Chrome? Uh, no, I think it's across browsers. Okay. Um, where you could press backspace and that would trigger the go back to the previous page in your history command, um, which there's also, you're going to point out, a uh, a keyboard shortcut that'll do that also, like command sure left, is. control left, whatever. Yep. And uh, Solve so, problem. <laughs> anyway, one of our co-hosts on Sunrise Robot, uh, Matt Duncan, he hosts Bits and Pieces. He's been on Flipping Tables a couple times. Yep. Um, he very much disagrees with us about this. He used that feature. He likes it. And uh, was very angry when they took it away as the default behavior. Yeah, and so did you bury the lead? So in a very v- recent version of yeah, Chrome, I they, very much they, the they finally took this out. So up until, like, I think three, four, five weeks ago, like very recently, if you pressed backspace, it would be akin to pressing the back button. Yeah. And now not only is that no longer the default it is actually removed entirely so in the interest of a socratic dialogue why <laughs> is that a problem <laughs> well according to um i i thought he was like a normal smart person but <laughs> according to this crazy madman we have allowed to host a show on our network uh users never have any focus issues they always know whether or not a text field is focused they always know if... Oh, so Backspace is used for other things. Well, only for <laughs> stupid people who don't know where the cursor is currently focused. Yes. Uh, yeah. Th- this is um, like the one key on the keyboard that I think so is worse than every other. I kind of want to do a little user poll of, you know, and post this in our Reddit community, which you can find at reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables. Um, have you ever been on a web page, maybe interacting with a form or just whatever? You're going to go type something and press backspace because you made a typo or you want to delete what you wrote um, and realize that text focus had shifted and now your browser has switched to another page and then you get angry. Yeah. And has this ever and, happened to you? It's happened it, to me a lot. Yes. It, it has only happened to me. I have never intentionally successfully used backspace to navigate because who does that? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Matt, apparently. Um, but the, the thing about this, his, his counter argument to this, and I've heard this from a few other people who are pro backspace navigation, like, well, every modern browser saves whatever you typed into the form. Yeah, it caches your yet. form values. I'm like, neat, neat. So instead of just putting the knife somewhere where I wouldn't cut myself, I just bought like a really big box of band-aids. <laughs> maybe just if I wasn't getting cut so much. And and I was – we were trolling a little bit. Like it was a friendly – see me troll. <laughs> it was a friendly fight. But I mean he very much thinks this is an acceptable keyboard shortcut. We very much do not. Well, and I mean, one of the other defenses is that text focus is, quote, obvious, that <laughs> it's a blinking cursor and you should look before you type. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm command tab, command tilde. I'm switching all over the place. Um, 
And then, I mean, it, it happened during the recording of this episode. Um, <laughs> I thought I was going to type into Sheets. It typed a letter into Slack, and I then I pressed enter to like figure out what was going on. And I sent you a message. I just said C. Yep. <laughs> and then I left it there and said, "Yeah, there's a text focus accident that happened as we're recording." <laughs> now, even if you want to say, "Mike, you're an idiot. You weren't paying attention. Whatever." Blah blah blah. You know, problem pebcac basically. Um, yeah, that's a good assumption to make. <laughs> yes, and that your user will do it wrong. And all over computing, you make design decisions based on limiting the damage from a mistake from the user. <laughs> um, save dialog boxes will take you know any dialog box. If you press enter on it, it's almost like if it's well designed, it's the safest, least destructive option. Yeah, if you accidentally close your window and it says "quit without saving," it defaults to no. Yeah, no, don't quit the application. <laughs> I did that by mistake. Please don't destroy all my work, yeah. right? Or if you're you're exiting and it'll say like save work and it defaults to yes. Yeah. So that the if you're just mashing the keys for whatever reason or your cat is walking across the keyboard, they'll accidentally do the right thing more likely than they'll accidentally do the wrong thing. And because Backspace has one and only one specific use, I don't see why you would ever double it up to do anything else. Especially when another keyboard shortcut already exists. And also on every platform, yeah, every platform, you yes. can define your own keyboard shortcuts. Yeah. <laughs> so this is something I I, uh, I did not link to this in the show notes, and I'm not going to because it wasn't terribly interesting. But there were a couple of nuggets in a very large Reddit thread I found where people were arguing about this would specifically with Chrome, like removing it as the default or as an option at all, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But several people did not seem to understand the limits of Chrome's influence on their life because <laughs> I mean, literally a half a dozen people before I got bored of checking were like, I use backspace for all kinds of things. Like when I'm playing Counter-Strike, that's the button I use for crouch. And it's like, that has nothing to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> that has nothing to do with, you can still use backspace for things. Yeah. We're specifically talking about in the browser where backspace's only function is to delete text. Don't give it other functionality. Yeah. Especially functionality that would destroy the text you thought you were deleting a portion of. Yeah. And even if it's cached, it's a, it's just a slap in the face that it's infuriating to see the browser go back when you're like, no. Well, it, not what it, I was doing. it's jarring. It's confusing. And, and so Chrome or the, I guess Google in their, their infinite kindness, uh, made an official extension. It's not a flag. It's not a checkbox. It's not a secret option. You actually have to install a Chrome extension to re-enable back to take you back. Yeah. So if your muscle memory is such that using command or control left is totally outside of your ability, you can install this extension. Yeah. Well, one of the thought experiments I wanted to propose is imagine this was never the default, that it was never part of browsers. And would this idea have occurred to users? Maybe. But could you win the argument to add it if it was no one's muscle memory, no one had ever done it that way? Like, would you win that design argument? Well, okay. So you have, uh, you're on your iPad Pro right now. So I assume your backspace key actually says delete. Yep. Right. Okay. So I'm on I'm on a MacBook 
And of course, it also says delete. But on every Windows keyboard, doesn't it say backspace? Yeah, and then delete is the forward delete by default, isn't it? Yes, but there's no With separate key on bigger keyboards. Yeah, but I mean, like on an older, like full, like 108 key or whatever it is, the larger keyboard that has a number pad, there's like page up, page down, home, and but is this i mean some some technology historian please tell me like does back do this literally anywhere else because it's not go back it's not back it's backspace yeah, it's not previous it's... yeah it's just like return is subbing in for like carriage return yeah. on a typewriter and we now also use it to be like confirm yeah i mean i really think a modifier key with an arrow to the left makes a lot more sense it's it's certainly more in line with like the visual element, yeah. the back arrow, which yeah. always points left. At least for Western cultures, huh. left to right. <laughs> Do you think in uh, in like in a, a, a Japanese or like a Hebrew browser, know. the arrows would be reversed? <laughs> oh man! If we have anybody who's listening that uses a Japanese or, or a Hebrew or any other right to left language, that would be a super yeah. cool trivia fact. I do want to say, Matt, you, you can have your chance to defend yourself. We're not just going <laughs> to flog you in public and then call it done. Um, it, if we, we'll, we'll talk to you, but you yeah. can either submit a recording defending yourself <laughs> or we'll, we'll have another conversation next time. He's busy at Gamescom right now. That's why we couldn't have him on the show this week. Well, and we'll probably have to have him on for his annual report anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this, this is, I, I think... Our two points combined have permanently the t- this table is flipped and can never be unflipped because yeah. there's already a widely understood keyboard shortcut to do this that you would never accidentally confuse with other functionality. And if it hadn't just been this way when you showed up, would you have filed a bug report with Chrome asking them to add this as feature? No, you would not. Yeah, and you wouldn't win. Um, I do have to also point out, which which I s- tweeted this at Matt being all snarky, um, an XKCD comic where a bug would have the, I forget, it was like some keyboard button would like make the CPU heat up, which would do something, and then they fixed it, and then a bunch of users wrote in to complain that they had like, they, they now heat their apartment using <laughs> this bug, and they don't think it's a bug at all. And the the moral of the story is any bug you fix work, messes with someone's workflow. Yes, all changes, whether it's obviously a bug or if it's just like a feature change, or a tiny little accessibility tweak, a little yeah. UX thing. If you had perfectly square corners and now they're rounded by one degree, somebody's going to be like, no, I use those to measure the cabinets I was installing. <laughs> I, I need them to be perfectly square. There will always be something. Yeah. And someone will say, you're literally killing people with this bug <laughs> You are literally Hitler. <laughs> So I saw a statistic, and I don't think that this was scientific, uh, but apparently when Chrome or when Google first announced they were going to make this change in Chrome, there was some kind of like 4% or 0.4% of users reported that they actually used this intentionally. And and there's some, uh, you could probably do a little bit of interesting forensics on like, if someone hits back and goes back and then they immediately their next action is to hit the forward arrow 
it's pretty safe bet that that was erroneous. Yeah. You know, so there's probably some interesting forensic statistics they could do, uh, plus just user reporting. But no matter what the number is, I would find it virtually impossible to believe that the majority or even a vocal minority of people prefer and utilize this behavior because you just know, I just, I don't believe it. I, the fact that I even personally know people cause Susan of eclectic readers is also like, no, I, I use that shortcut and I'm just like, no, how do I know more than one person that actually thinks this is your a good own idea? wife is wrong. My own wife. I wonder, you know, I'll have to see if she installs the Chrome extension though. Cause that'll really, she seemed to at peace with that. Like whatever, I'll just install the extension, which oh, yeah. to be fair, by the end of our, you know, friendly fight, Matt admitted he wasn't necessarily hell bent on it being a default. He just wanted the option. And I mean, the plugin kind of was irritating to him. <laughs> well, and so when I, I found this plugin, go back with backspace, which, you know, feels a little on the nose with the name, <laughs> no, nothing cute or clever for marketing there. But uh, I noticed there's 231 reviews as the time of this recording, but it only has three out of five stars. <laughs> It's a pretty simple, like, flip of a switch, too. Yeah, it, it seems like it probably does exactly what you expected it to do. So what could you possibly complain? Oh, because you don't think you should have to do this because you think the way you do it is the right way and everybody else's way should be an option. Your way is the default way. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, when you switch to the reviews tab, the first three reviews are... One star, because I shouldn't have needed it in the first place. Uh, it works, but WTF? Why would you break this button functionality? Uh, <laughs> what are you doing getting rid of this function and then requiring an add-on to re-enable? At least it seems to work so far. So it's like that third person even admitted like, yeah, it does exactly what it says, but one star. <laughs> it's like, no, you're not You're not supposed to be rating not the, helping. the moral worth of this thing, like the its rightness and wrongness in this the universe. This is civil disobedience. <laughs> So, I don't know. I, I'm a little, a little little part of me is afraid, like, we're just going to get a mad rush of listeners who are like, no, you guys are wrong. Yeah, I don't want to know that the whole world is that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, that feels like the note we should go out on. Okay. We're going out on that. All right. Uh, so you can find the show notes for this episode, as always, at sunriserobot.net slash flipping table slash 133 for the... 13-3rd episode. <laughs> it's not quite as nice as 111. It's really not. Um, Mike and I both love feedback, particularly if you're going to reach out and tell us how right we are about this and how the backspace key has bitten you and you're so glad that this is now fixed forever. Uh, so the easiest way is to find us on Twitter. I'm at Lines and Beta and Mike, you are? At Pseudo Michael. S-U-D-O Michael. But if you haven't gotten into the Reddit community yet... We are going to throw like an honest to God discussion out about this because whenever I am this positive, I'm right. There's a <laughs> tiny little part of me, the part of me that loves conspiracy theories that wants some wise person to descend from on high and show me the light, like to open my mind to new things. Yeah. Why does it make so much sense? Yes. In fact, it would save America <laughs> and the whole world. Yes. This could like end world hunger. So if there's someone who can convince me that something that is so obviously wrong is in fact right like please create a reddit account if you don't already have one 
go to reddit.com slash r slash flipping tables and set me straight. Yeah, and if your answer hinges on users are stupid and they shouldn't make this mistake, it doesn't work for me. Yeah, nope. That's one of the worst bets you can take when designing software. Yes, uh, you always design for stupid and confused and never seen it before. And that's why designing is hard because you have to make all those limitations and considerations. You cannot expect people to be experts, even in the case of professional tools. But that's we're uh, getting back into it. We're very (laughs) much getting back into the topic. Um, If you have not yet subscribed, the easiest way to make sure you get new episodes delivered fresh to your podcatcher of choice every week is to subscribe to the show. That also helps it get uh, surfaced up in search results and things. If you want to take a little bit of a step to help us out even more, you can go into iTunes and leave a rating and review. And if you really want to go that extra mile, you can support us directly on Patreon, patreon.com slash sunrise robot. Depending on the level you support us at, you can get your name shouted out at the end of this show or all the shows on the network. So with that, I want to give a special thanks to Matt Mariner, Sean Byrne, Benji Robinson, fully autonomous backspace Cunningham, Carolyn Kraut, Cliff Lyons, Ida Abramovich, Justin Edwards, Joan Edwards, and Warren Myers. We love you all so much, even if you use backspace navigation. We could not do this without you. <laughs> See you next time. See you next week. Yeah.